I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach, and today we have a very interesting episode. You know, we've done many episodes on fitness and health and all of that, but what does that mean during this time when we've been stuck at home? Are we ready for when things open up? Because so many of us are in the mind space of, oh, you know, when when things open up, I will then go to the gym and then I will start exercising or then I will worry about my fitness. And we feel that this is not necessarily the way that we should be approaching it. Maybe there's a better way of doing this. And to have this discussion with me today, I have Sonia Jass. And we're doing this podcast where she's in Canada. I'm here in India and it's nighttime here and it's snowing out there. So it's a fun contrast. Sonia, welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, at this time where we're going through such a collective experience with COVID, it feels only fitting that we are doing this sort of so across the world from each other. It's like, we're all in this together. And it's so relatable, right? This would not have been relatable earlier on, would not have been possible earlier on. And now look at us. Not at all. I know, but like, when will it end? Billion dollars, who knows? I know. So Sonia, welcome. Sonia, tell us a little bit about yourself so that the audience gets to know a little bit about you. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. And I have to say, I admire everything that you've been doing for so many people. Um, We need you. So thank you for paving the way and sort of showing us how to optimize our life. Thank you. Um, You know, for me, really health and wellness has been uh, my primary focus for the last um, decade or so. Um, I'd say, you know, I was always sort of focused on health and wellness, even growing up, but for the wrong reasons. It was less about health and wellness and more about the aesthetics of it all, trying to you know, do everything I could to achieve that perfect version of skinny that, you know, the media shows us. And, you know, growing up in Canada, it was always this sort of struggle between being an Indian girl, I look one way, everybody else looks another way. And what can I do to force myself through punishment and all sorts of different, um, very unhealthy tactics to try and achieve that like perfect aesthetic. And to make a very long story short, after spending, you know, sort of 15 years dealing with a lot of self-hate disguised as a lot of different things and yo-yoing and up and down with body weight and size and negative narratives and body image, I got to the point about 10 years ago where I was just like so sick of it all. I was just done with all of the toxic narrative, the on again, off again, yo-yo dieting, sometimes thin, sometimes bigger, fear around food, fear around body size. It just felt really suffocating. And I think I got to that point, you know, Indian parents, they sort of give you this sing song story about the fact that like, if you do well in school and you get a good job and you marry a good person and you buy a beautiful house, then you will arrive at happiness. And when you get to the point where you do all those ticky mark things and you you play the role and you achieve all the stuff that your parents want you to and you wake up one morning with this like perfect life and you look around and you're like, I'm not happy. What went wrong? I think for me, that was sort of the inflection point where I was able to really decide that I had to go on a journey with it. I had to start focusing on health and wellness to cultivate better self-worth a better mindset, better habits, better practices. 
and to really sort of like reformat how I was approaching my life. And inevitably in doing all of that work, both the physical aspects of it and the mental aspects of it, I ended up with ironically, not only the body that I'd always sort of coveted and wanted so badly doing it the right way, but I also opened up the possibilities in my life to, you know, be infinite and to be expansive and to really um, be driven by authenticity versus, you know, leading this perfect Indian girl sort of picture life. And in finding that space for myself, I just sort of discovered this passion for wanting to, like yourself, help others, pave the way, figure out how to navigate it all, do the work, unlayer all of the stuff that we are taught to believe so that we can be happier healthier, more passionate people. And so that kind of brings us to today. I love it. You know, it's so interesting because we're constantly taught to live other people's lives. Right. This is the perfect life. And when you have it, you will be happy. But that is somebody else telling us what it is. And very quickly, we have to learn about our intention. Exactly. And what is our story that we want to write? And we have to have a plan. See, the problem is that if you don't have a plan, sure, go follow everybody else and what they're saying at least start making a plan for yourself and you'll realize that you don't necessarily need to go down that route. And all this, unfortunately, is all hindsight. It's all hindsight, right? That's the thing. And I think it's, you know, when we look at it in hindsight, we're like, well, how do we help other people not have to make the same mistakes that we did where you take this super long journey to figure out who you really are and what you really want in your life? And I think it's it's just so much a part of our culture, right? Like whether you're raised in Canada, whether you're raised in India, the Indian culture is one where it is less about feeling and more about showing and doing. And I think that is what causes a lot of friction for us when we're growing up. And even so many of us as adults, right? Like so few people are able to make this drastic course correct later on in their life. You know, they get stuck in this rut and they sort of accept that that is the best it's going to get for them. And you know, we see this with relationships. We see this with careers. We see this with health and wellness. We see this with sort of how people execute their lives. And, you know, I think through podcasts like yours and just sort of hopefully the work that I do, if there's even a little bit of inspiration that can come from that to say, the point is to get to know who you really are. And then, as you said, have a plan, have actionable planned steps to be able to maximize what that version of person can be. Like, isn't that the most we can ask for at this time? Absolutely. And you know, since we're talking about health and wellness, it's so interesting that, and you spoke about family, most of our health and wellness habits are actually inherited. And we don't realize this because we only think, think we inherit our genes and that is why we are the way we are or that's why we look like our mom or that's why we look like our dad, etc., etc. So true. But we need to realize that we're actually inheriting their habits and that's what's guiding us. For many of us, because our parents never thought about health and exercise and wellness, it has, it hasn't, the thought hasn't occurred to us yet. And I remember I was in that state, right? Like the thought of fitness hadn't occurred to us. And when, whenever I talk about people like during this lockdown, you're at home, good time to work on yourself. But why? Right? That is the question. That I get. <laughs> but I could be watching Netflix instead. Correct. Exactly. So why should people start doing this, especially now um, when people are stuck at home? You know, I think the physical aspects of fitness um, are so important obviously from a physical standpoint, but we don't realize how much they impact the mental side of the equation as well. And we'll unpack that later on. But really, you know, there's so many compelling reasons why focusing on your nutrition and moving your body can lead to tremendous benefits in your life. And I think, you know, when we look at this time where we're stuck at home and it is so easy for us to buy into that, I'll start again on Monday narrative. 
this. It's Thursday. I ate the things. I did the things. I, in fact, ate it all so that it's out of my system. Because then once it's out of my system, then on Monday, I'll start again. You know, with COVID, it's been the Monday that continues to be the following Monday and the following Monday and the start of the month and the next Monday. And, you know, we've now gotten to a year in this vortex, this zombie apocalypse, as you and I like to call it. And, you know, I think that the issue is this idea that we will suddenly be able to snap out of it. Mm. When the world opens up, we're going to be just able to mobilize ourselves and be motivated and committed and excited about taking on this challenge, I think is going to feel really daunting. I think it's going to feel exceptionally daunting, especially given how daunting it already feels when nobody else is watching when nobody else is looking at you, when nobody else is comparing, you know, what your achievements are to their achievements, you know, everybody's sort of like hiding behind social media and it's fine. You can sort of filter yourself and do the things and get away with it. But I think, you know, the idea that the world is going to open up and then you're going to be able to get back on the wagon is really just perpetuating the same idea that health and wellness is an on the wagon or off the wagon process. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I can speak to from personal experience and from all the clients I've ever worked with is that it is the on the again, off the again mentality that creates all the chaos, right? It really is the small, consistent changes that we make over time that lead up to what the picture of our lives and our bodies and our health and our wellness really look like as with anything, right? Like you're studying for something. Yes. One version is you cram at the end very quickly, you write the exam and then you lose all the information because you didn't really learn it. Or it's like this slow process of learning and understanding and developing that insight so that then it's, it's lifelong learning that you've developed. It's the same thing with health and wellness. It's like, sure, we can go on a crash diet, quickly lose 10 pounds of water weight, feel good. We're like, oh my God, we're amazing. And then, you know, that's not sustainable. So then we gain it all back then we're disheartened, we're disengaged, we feel demotivated. So we say, forget it, nothing's working. I may as well eat all the things and do all the things now. It'll be out of my system. And then I will recommit even more hardcore than I was before because I'll be rehabilitated. Whatever is wrong with me will be somehow fixed because I will be more dedicated, more focused, more committed and more rigid with myself. And that will lead to the results that I really want because somehow I'll be so hardcore that I'll stay on track. And that time never comes. And so when we look at this COVID period and the fact that somewhere we know that at some point the world is going to open back up and we're seeing it already happen in various areas around the world, we're hoping that for Canada and India, we are not that far behind, but that can feel really daunting too, right? That that's coming and we're going to have to fix ourselves again when that happens. And maybe that's going to be too hard or too much work, but why not use this time that we have to start to lay the foundation with a bit of an actionable plan, as you said, so that when the world does open up, we've already got positive momentum to sort of keep that snowball going. And I say snowball because there's snow outside and I'm frankly traumatized, but you know, we want to create this feeling of positive momentum because that is what is going to translate to the action, the consistency, and the desire to put a little bit more vigor behind it. But when you're going from, I'm sedentary, I have been eating absolute junk, I have not moved my body, and I feel the grossest I've ever felt in my entire life. Then the idea of suddenly being like, and now I'm dedicated to going to the gym, it's like, I guarantee will be another six months to a year 
where you are stuck and panicking about how can't you mobilize yourself? What can you do? Who can you hire? What are these big solutions you can take to solve this problem, which actually isn't that complicated in some ways? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because our entire modus operandi is if it didn't work the first time, it's probably because I didn't put enough effort into it. So let me put more effort. Now let me put more effort. And that's the way that we think about it. More effort will lead to whatever we want. But like we talk about in habits, the simpler the habit, the easier the habit, the more chance you can stick to it and hence the more effective the habit can be. Absolutely. So I think it's so important to start with these small, small things. And Sonia, where should people start off from? Like what's the first thing that you should tell people to do now if they're like, all right, fine, I buy into this thing that it's not going to happen magically after everything opens up. I need to make some changes. Where should I start from? My suggestion would be, and this is um, so basic that you're probably going to roll your eyes, but start by drinking water. Start by giving yourself a water target of at least two liters a day. And you know, if you've only been drinking juice and pop and all sorts of other things and chai like 17 hours of the day, you know, suddenly being like, I'm going to drink two liters of water as you drink your cup of tea right now. I love it. Uh, You know, suddenly drinking two liters of water a day is going to feel a bit aggressive. And also your body is just not going to know what to do with all the excess fluid. You'll be peeing nonstop. It'll just be incredibly annoying. But I would say, you know, inevitably, if we're looking at hydration as such a fundamental component of the metabolism, of you feeling energized, of, you know, combating things like, oh, I've got a headache. I feel like I have no energy. I'm not sleeping well. Even things like digestion, nutrient absorption, flushing the body of toxins. You know, so many people are guilty of being like, I'm going to do a detox tea because then I can flush myself out and I'll be detoxed and I'll be 10 pounds lighter. And you're like, oh my goodness, the liver will detox you. You just need to give it enough water and your whole body will do what you need it to. We don't need these magic potions and lotions to be able to get to where we want to go. And hydration is one of the most basic, simple things that we can layer in that will do two things. One, help the current baseline and homeostasis of your body, which is what we want to do, your metabolism, all that sort of stuff. Just even the regularity of your body and not carrying that extra bulk because your system is not excreting the way it should. That's one component of it, just really sort of helping your body do its bodily functions better, energy, feeling better, et cetera. The other piece of it is, it is one of the simplest ways to keep reinforcing to yourself mentally on a daily basis, good for you. You had another glass of water. You kind of care about yourself. This is not bad. It's like, how do we find these little opportunities to give ourselves these gold stars around, look at this, you're showing up. You had a glass of water. And I really like to track things, right? Like I have to track, I have to give myself gold stars. I need visuals to be like, look at how much I've accomplished. And something like water. You're wearing an aura ring as well. I'm wearing an aura ring as well, as you know, exactly, right? So it's one of those things where it's like water can be a really easy way to chip away at that metric. We've given ourselves a metric and it's much easier if I'm like, drink a glass of water versus go for a run for 20 minutes. The water doesn't seem so bad, right? Right. And so we really want to, I think, start basic and start small, like you said, because it's the small things that can create those sort of positive shifts to create that momentum. So that would be, I think, like my most basic suggestion on where to start. I love it. On the next side of it, I would say, start to figure out how to move your body. And that doesn't mean that you have to take up running if you hate running or you suddenly have to do high intensity interval training at home. But we go from being like, 
I've been fully sedentary for a year to, okay, now how do I run a half marathon? We don't want that either. It's like, how do we get in, whether it's that you're using your aura ring or something to track steps and you're focusing on getting in 10,000 steps a day again, or you are focusing on getting 20 minutes of some sort of movement, yoga, some sort of online class, stretching, anything that feels again, like it's going to be a signal to your mind and a signal to your body that you are actively doing something positive to gain some strength back. And from there, obviously, you know, we can move from, we started to move our body 20 minutes to four times a week. And I'm definitely not an advocate of like workout seven days a week, no rest periods. I think that doesn't work for most people and it's not beneficial, but then we slowly start to extend the time period. And we slowly start to amp up what type of activities are we doing? Are there body-based strength exercises that we can do at home? Absolutely. There are tons. Push-ups, squats, lunges, mountain climbers, um, supermans, all of these exercises that work large, large muscle groups in the body, which are going to have huge effects on the metabolism, which is ultimately what we're looking for here. Doing exercises like that doesn't require anything. We don't need to go to the gym for them. And so, you know, how do you time block that 20 minute period? Have a plan for when that 20 minute period is going to happen to start with maybe three times a week. And then as we start to really get into it, fine, we can add on another day and we can expand the 20 minutes and we can start to play around with moving away from just movement itself to strength building exercises that will help you burn calories, it will help elevate your metabolism and just build back some of that atrophied muscle that you've lost, right? Like I think that is a critical component before you go back to the gym and are like, now I'm going to start doing bench presses and things like that. Like maybe you start at home and just start creating some of that strength again. And again, nobody's watching. So it's not that scary. Before going ahead, we'll take a quick break. And we are back. It is just you. It is investing in yourself just a little bit. And like you said, you just have to be 20 minutes. You can just allocate 20 minutes of your day, do something. Your Instagram is full of workouts that you've put up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I and I work out at home um, because I just can't escape my children for long enough to be able to go to the gym and then come back. And so there's so much you can see on Instagram of, you know, inspiration and workout sort of tools that you can use at home to be able to get that movement in. But I think that's exactly what you said. It's like, how do you layer in some of the good on that front so that we can start to move the body in a better direction without making it some sort of big commitment that you had to stick to that felt scary. And again, another opportunity for you to fail, right? right? Like we want to set it up so that there is no chance that you could fail because the the goals or the requirements are so small that they almost seem silly. Absolutely. But the silly ones work. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, one of the golden rules of habit change, and um, which is in my book, is all about making your goals stupidly simple. They have to be stupidly simple. And, the, and both those words are important. Like you should feel stupid not doing them. And they should be so simple that... Exactly. Yeah, you can explain this to a kid. But this is so obvious. Absolutely. You can give it to a kid. And I I really do believe that in the context of even when it comes to sort of like we look at hydration, yes, that's an important thing. But even when we look at nutrition, we think about this idea of, okay, suddenly I need to clean everything up. I'm going to take all the carbs out. I'm only going to be at a protein only diet. And I'm just going to be like super hardcore until I lose the weight. And then I'll like figure it out later on. But instead of taking this restrictive approach in this phase, while COVID is still going on, and we realize that there's 
a multitude of factors that play mental health components that are at play. We, you know, we use food for a lot of different reasons. And I think it's important to recognize that. But instead of worrying about taking out the bad, maybe the first step during this time is to layer in the good, right? Instead of being like, I'm not eating cookies anymore. Maybe it's okay. I'm committing to eating one big salad every day. And then I can have the cookies if I want the cookies. I can have six boxes of cookies if I want the six boxes of cookies. I'm not restricting. I am instead focusing on, again, what was a stupidly simple nutrition change that I could make that will reinforce that I'm focused, I'm committed, I care about myself and allow that to be the seed that then again, spirals into maybe I don't want 17 cookies today. Maybe I only had two cookies today because I'm actually feeling quite satiated. I'm feeling a bit proud of myself. I want to suddenly things are starting to feel a bit different. I want to roll with it. But again, it's like you're not cracking down on yourself in a form of punishment. You are actually feeling positive feelings about the fact that you're sort of sticking with something and that's inspiring you for more change rather than coming from it from a place of you're not good enough. This is not good enough because that voice doesn't work either. It works for a very short period of time. And then you're like, stop being mean to me. But how can you stop being mean to you when you're the one being mean to you? So, you know, I think that piece of it, as you said, it's like stupidly simple and coming from a place of positivity and abundance as opposed to constraint and lack. Very, very interesting. You know, uh, a simple thing like a salad, a simple thing like just eating more of the vegetables than, you know, like for, for example, in our Indian food, we have vegetables, we'll have dals, we'll have rotis and the vegetables are like a little teeny, teeny little portion size. Eat lots more vegetables and just that's practically like achar and you're like, that wasn't meant to be the achar. No, it was actually the subject that you're supposed to be focusing on. <laughs> totally. Right. There's so many little changes that we can make from our food where we don't have to deprive ourselves. And I think that is the most important point that you mentioned. Don't think about depriving as the first step. Think about adding or tweaking as the first step. And then you'll see. Exactly it. You might want to drop a few things along the way. Yeah. And, and, and you know, one of the things that, you know, we sort of started by talking about is this idea that, you know, Indian people are so focused on the showing and the doing. It's, it's less about the feeling. Mm. But I think, you know, so few of us even know how do we feel? Like, what do we want to eat when we connect with hunger? Mm. And what will we do about that once we know what that hunger feels like? And we're so sort of caught up in the doing of the eating, whether it's that we're following protocols and restricting and, and creating all those sort of like constraints around, we're not allowed to eat this anymore. And we have to be super hardcore because if we're dieting, then dieting has to look like this we've completely forgotten about this idea of more intuitive eating. And I'm not suggesting that we abandon structure. I am a very structured person. I'm not suggesting that we just only lean into intuitive eating and see where our feelings are going to guide us. But I do believe that there is some fundamental connection that needs to happen there again to sit back during this time and evaluate what do you want to eat? And when that craving comes up, what's happening there? Are you actually thirsty? Why are you craving something salty? And is it something very specific or is it just that you're actually really hungry? Is it that you've got like oral fixation around needing something at a certain time and why? Or is it that, again, your body is asking for more nutrients? Like, I think it's so important to jump into these actionable solution steps, but also making it at this time while we still have this runway before the world opens up and we're all supposed to be fit and healthy again, mm. just taking some time to unlayer some of that noise a little bit around like, what's happening to you with food? 
for most people, it's the food stuff that's the issue right now. And it's like, what, what, where, where is that coming from? Where has all that baggage come from, as you said? And, you know, when we talk about the fact that we've inherited all these habits and sort of practices and things from our parents, I'm not saying that that directly correlates to food, but the way we approach food right now is not sort of in isolation. This has been developed over a long period of time. And now, yes, we're in a bit of a pressure cooker, so it may be exacerbated a little bit. But taking the time to sort of like have those questions in a non-scary way with yourself while you're drinking a little bit more water, while you are doing 20 minutes of movement a day, while you're starting to layer in strength training, eating some more vegetables, focusing on the right nutrients, have those, those dialogues with yourself too, if you can, or at least start to think about them. Because when we talk about long-term change, that can only come from creating habits upon the right foundation. And sometimes we have to do some cleaning up around the foundation, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, in, and I was noticing what you were saying, and you mentioned strength training multiple times. And many people are going to be curious about what should they be focusing on? Should they be focusing on their cardiovascular training in those 20 minutes or should they be focusing on the strength training? What is your take on this? It's a great question. And I think, you know, ideally a great training protocol would incorporate combinations of both where, you know, we're focusing on cardiovascular health, but we are also focusing on building strength, again, for the purposes of being stronger, being um, more agile, having less aches and pains, building back bone density, particularly for women. You know, there are so many benefits of strength training that have nothing to do with the aesthetics of it. And then in addition, of course, the aesthetics of it. You want to be fitter, you want to be leaner, you want to be more toned. All of that is going to come from strength training. I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. I think you know, there are the folks that do super heavy lifting and then those that run marathons. And then there is the regular folks in between who are just sort of looking for a combination of both. And I think a great place to start is to do strength training or body weight exercises at home. Like I mentioned, focusing on the large muscle groups, legs, back, chest, core, et cetera, as opposed to like, I did a few bicep curls, too small of an area to really focus on when you're trying to go for big change. But keep your rest period short so that your heart rate stays high. Do interval style training, even if you're doing it with weights or without without weights so that you are getting that cardiovascular conditioning at the same time. You know, one of the things that I joke about all the time is people will be like, well, Sonia, like, how do you build all the muscle that you have? And I'll be like, well, I lift weights. And they're like, well, then Sonia, like, how do you work on your cardio? I'll be like, I lift weights faster, right? Like it's literally the same process where we have, you know, sort of decided that cardio needs to look a certain way. We have to do jumping jacks or we have to go for a run or whatever. But really, what is cardio training? It is, are we keeping our heart rate at that elevated level for a period of time so that our heart can strengthen? And we can do that while strength training. And so I would say, don't get too bogged down in the details of it. If you are finding your heart rate is elevated, if you are feeling like you're working hard, if your muscles feel engaged, you are building strength, you are starting to work on your cardio capacity. And if we're talking about just laying the foundation right now for how this is not going to feel so hard, do what feels good. If you like the huffy, puffy, sweaty, I'm only focusing on cardio, you will also build some muscle by doing that you know, along the way. And if that feels like a good place to start, start there and then move to strength training. If the idea of doing jumping jacks is like, I would rather just die. Don't do that. Don't do that. Start with doing squats. Start with doing wall sits. Start with doing less 
impact-oriented activities so that you can, again, start to build back some of that strength, just get into the habit of it. And, you know, the, the shorter we can keep the rest periods, obviously, the better because we'll be getting some of that cardio in there. But I think, again, sometimes it's easy to get really bogged down with the, like, what should be the structure? And you're like, no, I just said move your body for 20 minutes. Mm. See what happens. What, what feels good to you? And if it's yoga to start with, then yoga it is. Correct. And for every excuse that you'll have come up with, there is a training style that will benefit you. Do you want to do chair-only exercises? We have a chair for you that we can work your legs, your core, your arms, your everything. Like There is no bottleneck that we can't overcome, exactly as you said. Correct. So I challenge you, think of an excuse. And if you actually do the work by checking it out on, you know, online, you will find a solution for it. But the idea is to move your body, like you said, at least 20 minutes. Get into at least a few self-care routines. And the best way to start off, like you said, was drink water. Right? So many of us are just not drinking water. We're dehydrated. We think that our black coffees are hydrating us, but they're not, right? They're not. They're, they're diuretics. We're peeing it all out and our body doesn't know what to do with it. And, you know, it's one of those things where you so often hear people being like, and then I get headaches and I just like feel like I'm not getting good quality sleep and I'm just like not rested and I feel like I don't have energy. And you're like, okay, look, let's look at the landscape here. Just do a little bit of fact finding. And more often than not, you're like, mm, you would maybe drink 500 milliliters of water a day. This is not going to cut it, especially in India where it's hot now. You guys are into that. You know, I say this while it's snowing outside, but I'm very jealous that you guys are into the hot summer seasons right now. And more so than ever, I think it's such a basic, easy place to start. And even though it doesn't sound sexy, like this is not a sexy, fun habit that it's like, oh, I cracked the code on health and wellness. It is again, like wake up in the morning and you have you know, a full glass of water with lemon. And you're like, okay, I set the tone for the day around the fact that health and wellness is a priority. I'm not going to be a monster about it, but that this one habit is signaling to myself that like I care and I'm going to do something about it. And then hydrate and see what happens. You, it's, it's amazing how after a week or two of just tweaking hydration, how different your body, your energy levels, and your desire to want to even move can change because suddenly you're not like, oh my God, I can't feel myself off the sofa anymore. So it's small and stupid, as you said, but so impactful. Correct. Those small changes help you make bigger ones in the future. So just get the momentum going. Start with these small little 20-minute workouts. Start with those adding good foods to your diet. Absolutely. And you start seeing those tweaks and a change taking place in your body. And like, I, I don't say this as somebody who in COVID hasn't had to have the same struggles, right? Like I say this as somebody who had a baby in December and then, you know, was in that six week baby phase of like, oh God, I have got only four minutes of sleep, uh, you know, in that initial run. And then just as I was coming out of that, we went into zombie apocalypse time and I was 60 pounds heavier than I was pre-baby. So in the year that we have been in COVID, I have had to put all of these principles in place for myself to find my own way back to fitness without the gyms, without all of the tools, while juggling two kids, with the doctor husband, all those sorts of things. And this is how I found my way back. I started with water. I started with 20 minutes of movement two days a week. Then I went to three days a week. I started with no weight and only body weight exercises. I started with layering in vegetables and salad again and being like, that's your only job today. 
did you eat a salad? You may also have eaten the cookies, but did you eat the salad? And it was that foundation that allowed me month over month over month to progress and refine and progress and refine. And, you know, a year later, I'm back to being in, you know, peak physical condition and I feel great. And it was not one month that I dedicated to making quick drastic changes, quick little habits that went out the window. It was these seeds that I'm talking about that I planted in January that sort of led me to then nine to 12 months later being like, I'm still drinking the water. I'm still eating the salads. I've switched over from only working out for 20 minutes to now my workouts are 40 minutes. I'm still only doing 40s a week. I'm still only doing it from home, but it snowballed beautifully into this lifestyle that has not felt like it started and then stopped. And then I did it. And then I threw in the towel and then I committed again. And then I gave up again. And this whole sort of vortex of things, it was just a really slow linear progression. And people feel like a year is so long, right? Like we want results in a month. We want results in two weeks. It's like 10 days to fat loss and all those things that you see. But then on the flip side, you know, I get all these people on Instagram constantly like, how did you lose the baby weight so fast? And you lost 60 pounds. And that's just like, it's like it flew off. And you're like, it took a year. But if a year is not too long for me, a year is not too long for you. And you watched me the whole way through. You know that it wasn't just like a, oh, and then I quickly did something and it all came off. It was a slow process, but it was a really positive, slow process. And I think, you know, it's easy for people to look at other people and say, oh, they can do it that way. I can't. But I am a living example of somebody who has done it during COVID. And so if I could do it with two babies and the chaos, and not because I love health and wellness so much that I'm superhuman and it's the only thing I care about. Trust me, I don't. I am just your regular person who's also running a business and dealing with children and all the dynamics of the world and COVID. But it has been those sort of practices and principles and habits that have been life-changing during this time because they've given me the foundation to build off of. Beautifully said. It's the creating that foundation. And and myth-busting time, we don't actually enjoy the exercising part, right? It It is something that we have to sometimes force ourselves to do. More often than not, more often than not. And yeah, sometimes in the workout, you have feelings of like, yo, I'm a badass for a moment. There's like a moment of badass feeling somewhere in there, maybe. Sometimes it doesn't come at all. Mm. And I was saying that that's exactly it. It's like, you know, when you're doing these workouts, first of all, it feels very difficult a lot of times to even get yourself downstairs to the gym or to whatever room you're going to be working out in. Kids didn't sleep. You're exhausted. You're stressed with work. You hate your husband. Lots of factors can be at play and they are deterrents for why you want to do the exercise. But you do it because you're committed and because you know that it's one of the habits that you are relying on for like better overall living. And in those workouts, there may be a brief moment where you're like, oh my God, I'm kind of a badass because one move felt really strong or you felt like your strength developed in a certain way that you can sort of see that positive momentum developing with how your body is changing. But more often than not, it's hard. It's terrible. It feels tough. You want it to end. You are counting down the minutes. And, you know, when you're really sort of at that phase where you're pushing yourself in your workouts, like you have sort of overcome this initial phase of just laying the foundation and you're really trying to challenge yourself. Challenging yourself is a really hard thing to do to yourself, right? Like this is why people have trainers and stuff because then they just have to like obey somebody else being like, no, I said 10 more, but to make yourself do 10 more 
or to make yourself push that much harder and demand more from yourself is hard. And we don't like it either. But we do it again and again, because after the workout is done, you are like, I'm a superhero. Mm -hmm. Like, what can't I do? I will just go take over the world now because I just did that to myself. I committed to it. I showed up to it. I did it. I gave it my all. And so like, I'm freaking unstoppable. Yeah. Of course, then five minutes later, your child asks you for a snack and you're like, I have no, no more gas left in the tank. I'm not unstoppable. Motherhood is too hard. But for a moment, you did feel unstoppable. And that was enough to give you what you needed. And that's, I think, the biggest thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. You have to look for those little moments, those little wins, those little times when you feel like, yeah, I'm killing it. Yeah, (laughs) that's the sound effect. Exactly. Love it. Love it. Sonia, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Coach podcast and sharing these thoughts with us. Where can people connect with you? Where can people follow you, understand a little bit more about what you're doing? Uh, Instagram is definitely the best place where I'm the most active. Um, So my handle is at Sonia Joss, S-O-N-I-A-J-H-A-S. I've also got a website, which we are currently just refurbishing a little bit, but that is where I house a lot of my both sweet and savory recipes, um, which I have to say are very, very good, if I do say so myself, and have been um, child approved as well because my children are very picky eaters. So that can be a nice place to explore if you're just sort of getting creative in trying to layer in the good or make some of the tweaks, as you said, without taking out everything that tastes delicious because we don't need to eat cardboard to be fit is the point. Correct. That's my mantra. We don't need to eat cardboard to be fit. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Thank you so much, Sonia. Thank you. So start these habits and share with us your progress using the hashtag TheHabitCoach. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Ashtin Doc on Twitter and Instagram. You can find lots more information on my website, awesome180.com or check out different content on my YouTube channel, called A-W-E-S-O-M-E 180. That's Awesome 180.